Hi, this is Chad Dull. Welcome to my Poverty Informed Podcast. And I have to admit, there's really nothing I like doing more than finding groups, finding common ground, and, and sharing kind of this attempt to change the discourse and seeing where people can take it. Um, the second presentation was actually to the local community action agency, uh, which was a little unnerving. This is an anti-poverty agency, so these folks are in this fight every day, and I wanted to make sure that what I had to say to them was useful. Um, when I got there, I was the second presenter of the day, and the first one did this amazing presentation on kind of the history of poverty and social class uh, from England to the United States. Um, really well done. And so on the break between his presentation and mine, I shared with the person who had invited me that I hoped what I was doing was still useful because it wasn't going to be uh, as academic, uh, and he had covered a lot of ground. She was so nice and reassured me, because she had heard me speak before, that what I was there to do was to help her staff understand how to invite the people we serve into our space. That was a really nice way of putting that. I'll probably write more about that later. Uh, but I've been thinking about it all week, that part of this poverty-informed idea is knowing how to invite people into spaces that they've felt unwelcomed in. So it made me think of something I wrote uh, in February about this, uh, kick, this higher ed notion of readiness. And I'd like to share that with you today. Uh, this article was called Poverty Informed Practice in Higher Education, Thoughts on Readiness. I see things differently than I used to. It gives me hope that others can too. Although I have seen poverty as a central issue for most of my adult life, I have definitely evolved in how I approach that issue. As I've pushed my teams toward a more poverty-informed approach and pushed myself personally, one of the paradigm shifts I've wrestled with is the idea of who is ready for college. This readiness issue resonates across the country, and a quick Google search will give you plenty to think about. Now I've come to believe that a poverty-informed approach at an open admission institution like mine means readiness is pretty much signified by the act of entering our doors and telling us you want to go to school. But let me tell you how I got there and why. I started my career in higher education in 2002. Prior to that, I was a K-12 teacher. I had come into K-12 right as No Child Left Behind was at its peak. No Child Left Behind was flawed, to say the least, but I have always loved the K-12 ethos that you find a path to success for the student in front of you. You don't write people off. Now, we often fell short of that ideal, but I heard a lot less talk about readiness in the K-12 world. When I transitioned to a college, I was surprised to hear so much about assessment and placement testing, but only the kind that placed you backwards into remedial work. And even though that discussion felt odd, I started to internalize this idea that you had to be ready for college. Occasionally, I'd question that idea at a meeting, saying it seemed odd to assume we knew what ready meant. I'd say that that implied we had figured out exactly what college was and how it should work, and that seemed improbable. I'd love to say people found me super compelling and the world started to shift, but mostly they would look at me like I was from another planet. Eventually, uh, this led to me deciding they must be right and I must be wrong. 
Maybe someone from K-12 just didn't get it. Now, I would argue K-12 is way ahead of us on this. But I didn't feel that way back then. I felt like an uninformed outsider. Deciding we knew what it was to be ready led to a part of my career I'm not very proud of in hindsight. I recall having staff meetings and we'd discuss students who were struggling and we would say things like, she just needs to get some things straightened out before it's time for school, and other such sentiments. The problem was, we rarely knew exactly how or where they would straighten these things out. We would talk about them needing to get more stable, when reality was coming to school was seeking stability. Reality was the wages you could earn without post-secondary training were never going to stabilize you. We had sort of invented an imaginary world where students could go fix themselves and then return to this thing called college when they were ready. It seems like lunacy to me now, but if you listen at your campus, I'll bet conversations like that occur there too. It's in the DNA. My personal shift started in about 2010, when my college started to have discussions about the profile of the successful student in preparing for a Title III grant application. The idea was we could identify the behaviors of those students and then teach and encourage other students to emulate those behaviors. It was well intended, but it just sat wrong with me immediately. I knew enough about poverty to know the successful student wasn't generally in poverty. I also knew enough about our success rates with other marginalized groups, and I was terrified we would use the successful student approach to assume those groups had deficits and struggled for those reasons. So I just started to say the same thing in every planning meeting. Let's prepare the college for the students, not the other way around. I felt pretty brilliant, although later I realized I had discovered that idea about as much as Columbus discovered America. People much smarter than me had been talking about the same concept for some time, and it led to great work throughout the years, including a book I read recently called Becoming a Student Ready College. I wish I'd written it, but I certainly didn't. However, back in 2010 and 11, I did help shift our grant to the idea that we would research who our students actually were, and then invest in developing our faculty to help those students more effectively. We weren't talking about poverty directly yet, but at least we had put the onus back on the institution instead of on the student. It was an important moment. But the real seismic moment at that college occurred in early 2018 when we started to look at our flawed assessment and placement structure. After much debate over many years, there was a directive to open the doors much wider for students and then identify the supports they needed for success. That work continues. They started with academic support, but we quickly realized what many of us knew instinctively. We didn't lose students due to intelligence or grit. We lost them to life circumstances. Or as I've become fond of saying, our students aren't broken, they're broke. The transformation to being truly poverty-informed will be the key to fulfilling the promise of an open admission institution. So, at the end of the day, I have no idea what ready means for college. Of course, there are some obvious outliers who clearly aren't ready or clearly are, but there is so much work, excuse me, there is so much room in the middle, I'm not sure I want to work on readiness anymore. Like the authors of Becoming a Student Ready College, I believe our best future is that college that unleashes potential that has gone untapped too long. 
I believe the campus that takes on poverty in a concerted and focused way will change the world. It's not just good for the individuals we serve, although it is certainly a good thing. My community has a workforce shortage, and so do many others. A college that addresses poverty barriers directly and effectively will create a workforce from a population that has been left out of the sunlight of opportunity. That is good for everyone. Now to do this, we have to once and for all let go of the concept of readiness. The difference between success and failure is so small and fragile. Just to illustrate that, I'm going to leave you with a story from one of my favorite students. She was telling me about her journey from addiction, homelessness, and poverty to her future at college. She talked about starting and feeling defeated on day one when a staff member implied someone with her background might need to wait to be ready for school. And she talked about how she thought she would leave that day. But fortunately, another staff member gave her hope and actually literally gave her a purse to keep her things in because she didn't have one. She told me that day that her success continued to be fragile. It was the middle of winter and she told me she had forgotten her ID one day and her ID also serves as a bus pass in the city she lives in. She had no idea how she would get home that day in the 10 below zero weather and she felt hopeless and like school was futile. But she also shared that there was an administrator in the poverty informed department she took classes in and he saw her and just could tell she wasn't doing well and asked if she was okay. She said because of their relationship she felt safe telling him she didn't know how she was getting home. He went and found five dollars in petty cash and got her on the bus. She told him that he didn't know it but she told a friend later that for the first time in a year that day she had thoughts of giving up and walking to a drug house near campus and five dollars worth of kindness eliminated those thoughts for that day. What if we'd told her she needed to go away and fix herself? What would the lost potential of that person be? So we must be poverty informed and student ready. It's not optional.